I think today we're going to finish our last message in the series of keeping on hearing. And uh, we've been looking at Father Abraham and the parallel, the similarities of him offering his son Isaac to that of God offering his son Jesus Christ for us. So if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, we'll read through this and then uh, we'll go on from there. Last week we shared a few things and this morning there's one more element of this that I think is uh, pretty awesome because as God called the nation of Israel, this is one of the first things that he did was to give us this example of Abraham as a foreshadow of God giving us Jesus Christ. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you, come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, or took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And so in looking at this, I just want to share with you a few of the things, similarities, parallels, foreshadows of what was taking place. And the first one is the Immaculate Conception. And if you're a Steelers fan, you know that as the reception, but, you know, y'all aren't Steelers fans. Okay. So the Immaculate Conception. And this is where God came to Abram and Sarai. And 25 years ago, he had spoken to them, or almost, and told them that they were going to become the father of many nations. And 
uh, that they were going to have a son. And so this was a son of promise. And it was taken a long time. 24 years had passed. They hadn't had a son. Uh, and in between there, they helped God. And that didn't, God didn't accept that child. And so at 99, he comes to Abram and 89 for Sarah. And he tells them that they're going to conceive. But as they're going to conceive, he also changes their names. And he adds the aha, A-H, to their names. And that is in reference to the Holy Spirit. So in other words, what he was saying is, is I'm going to change your name, but you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to conceive. And that's exactly what happened. And um, in the midst of this, let me go back to Genesis 18:14. It as he's sharing with them, he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And so there's that question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is no. But then we also have this in Luke chapter 1 of the birth of Jesus and, and the conception of Jesus in uh, Luke one thirty four, And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay, see the similarities there? They, they don't have the ability to conceive. And yet when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're going to. And so she's asking the same question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child uh, to be born will be called holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's the same way as, is anything too hard for God? No. Okay? And then he tells him, take his son, his only son, the one he loves, just like God did for us. And that's Genesis 22, 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. So he's reiterating this. Well, look at Colossians chapter 1. And I'm, I'm going quick right now because I want to get to the end. All right, so listen quick and I'll speak quick. But Colossians 1, 11, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is his son whom he loves. Okay? Just like Abraham, and this is God telling us about his son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and then John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we have in Colossians, his beloved son, now his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And what is the place going to be called? The Lord will provide. And what is God providing for us through Jesus? Forgiveness. Hallelujah. He's providing it. It says that uh, Abraham put the wood on um, Isaac's back and Isaac 
carried that wood just like Jesus carried the cross. Genesis 22.6, And Abraham took the wood of the, of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And in John 19.16 and 17, So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And so we see the similarities here in the parallel. And then we have the time when they're walking up the mountain. It's just the two of them, and Isaac turns to his father, and he asks, where's the sacrifice? And here's Abraham's response in uh, Genesis 22.8. Abraham said, God will provide himself. God will provide himself. The lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And then we see the parallel in John one twenty nine. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then that's John the Baptist. And then in verse 35, it says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And that's significant for us to understand the parallel. But also, if you go back and read this after verse 37, it says that the two disciples that he was talking to and told them of this, that he was the Lamb, that they left and followed Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And then last, um, it talked about the mountain that Abraham and Isaac walked up to. And... In Genesis 22.4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And so they went up there. And you have to realize that Abraham is doing this in obedience. That is the exact same mountain that Jesus was crucified on. And so God was setting all of this up for us. It, it, it's not that... Um, you know, you can say, well, why did he ask Abraham to offer up? It was just symbolic, okay? To show us how God was giving us his son, his only son, the one that he loved. Now, there's another aspect of this, and, and I want to share that with you this morning. It's, it's kind of twofold, and I, I just think it's quite ironic how the Lord does this. And... It's talking about how Abraham, it was counted as righteousness to him because of his faith. And there's two exercises of his faith. And we're going to look at Paul first and what he says about it. But I, um, and then we're going to look at James and the writer of Hebrews. However, when they're dealing with what Abraham did in concerning Isaac. They deal with it concerning faith. So I want you to keep that in mind as well. That all of this is counting, because of Abraham's faith, it's counted unto him righteousness. And that needs to be something that we pay attention to because we kind of flippantly say that we have faith in God, but then we don't have any proof of it. 
Well, we go to church sometimes. But in both of these situations, all of these writers, it's not the faith that's the important part of it. The important part of it is the action of their faith, is what we see as a result of their faith. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we read these. So the first part is found in Romans chapter 4, and it starts in verse 1. And he says this, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, okay? So he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Okay, what is it that he believed then? That's what we need to look at. Jump down to verse 13, if you will. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, it came by faith. It came by Abraham believing something that caused him to become the father of many nations. What was that? Jump down to verse 16, please. Romans 4.16. It says, That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. So that's the promise. In the presence of God, in whom he believed. And so he's saying that God promised him this. He believed in God. And this is what he thought as he believed in God, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And so what is he talking about? He's talking about the birth of Isaac, the conception of Isaac. And he's saying that he believed that God would give life to the dead, and he's talking about his body and Sarah's body. And we'll see that in just a second that God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Now, in the natural, it was impossible for them to conceive, but it's not for God. And it was their faith that demonstrated their action to believe God that he was able to do this, that he was able to fulfill his promise. Verse 18 is one of my favorite scriptures. Because it says this, in hope, he believed against hope. (laughs) Now, that doesn't make sense at first. In hope, he believed against hope. And so what he's saying is that he believed in hope according to what God said. And if we go back up to verse 17, that he calls into existence those things that do not exist. That he gives life to the dead. So, this is what he did. In the natural, he looked at his body and he looked at Sarah's body and he said, there's no way 
There's no way this is happening. But because God said that it was going to happen, we're going to believe God, and that's where we're going to place our hope. And so we get that same situation in our lives where somebody tells us it's not going to happen, or we look at our own life and we think, can anything good come from me? And in our minds, we may be saying no, but I want you to know that God is saying yes. There can be something good that comes from your life. If you will believe in me, if you will trust in me, you may say to yourself, well, I have all of these problems that I have to overcome. It's okay. You can overcome them with him. You might even have to work a little bit harder than somebody else, but it's okay. Work harder. And see the promise come to pass. Verse 18, we'll finish. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So God spoke it to him. Now they finally got it. They're believing it. Even though in the natural, it's not going to happen. They are believing it because God said it. So shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. And so that's all of this. And he didn't waver. He didn't weaken. Verse 20 says, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. How did he do it? Because he was relying on what God said. He was trusting on what God said. He wasn't looking just in the natural, but he was trusting in what God had said. And then this, let me read verse 20 again, and then we'll go to 21. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. See, that's what faith is all about, believing that God can do what he's promised. Do you know that if you can do it, you don't need faith? If it's possible for you to do it, you don't need faith. But the one thing that I've figured out, God doesn't call us to the possible. He calls us to the impossible. What is impossible for us. And then he says, but if you'll walk with me, he says, we'll see it done. Mm. Verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Because he believed God. Because he gave up trying to help God. God outweighed them. It didn't until in the natural they couldn't do it. And trust me, God will do that for us as well. You think you're strong and mighty right now, but there's coming a day when you're not going to be. And we'll see how your faith is. Verse 23 but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but, all, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so he was declared righteous by being, or, and, which means being in right standing with God because of his faith 
and believing that God was able to do what he promised. And the same is true for us as well. Faith is a process. And as they work through the process, they consider, they consider God's word, the promise that God gave them of greater value, of greater worth than what they saw in the natural. Then, and, and his word and, their, and his promise was greater than their own bodies. Because they consider their bodies as good as dead. In Galatians chapter 3, it says this, verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right. Now we're going to shift here a minute. And if you'll go with me to the book of James chapter 2. We're going to do a little shift. The same thing as far as being credit to them as righteousness. But James and the writer of Hebrews have a little different slant on this. And so I want to bring this to your attention. James chapter 2 starting in verse 18. And again, he's talking about there's people that say, well, I have faith, but I don't do anything with it. And James is trying to get him to see then you really don't have faith because if you really have faith, People will see it by the things that you do. Okay, so this is the argument that he's trying to answer. James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, this is different now. Paul was talking about it in Romans that it was counted to them, their faith was active when they believed God for the conception of of Isaac. But now James is saying that it was credited to him as he offered up his son Isaac. Verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so let me just interject this for a moment. The fun part was the conceiving part. The hard part was the offering up Isaac. And yet God says that both of those are to his credit a demonstration of faith and so God counted them as righteous. In Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, there are times in our lives when God promises us something and then He wants to know, 
can he have it? And sometimes we don't want God to have it. Sometimes we don't want to give up what he has promised to us. We don't want to give up what we're walking in. But maybe he has a greater plan. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And this is the faith chapter. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So he's talking about his faith. And he's talking about the faith of conceiving, the faith of offering him up. Even though it's going to be through Isaac that your offspring shall be named. Okay? Now watch this in verse 19. And, well, wait a minute, before we read it, I want you to think about the parallel that we've gone through in God, in Abraham offering up Isaac and God giving us Jesus and offering him up as our sacrifice. Here we go, verse 19. This is Abraham. It says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. That's some faith. That's some mighty faith. So God asked Abraham to offer up his son Isaac, but it's foreshadowing God giving us his son Jesus and offering him up. But Abraham went there with the reasoning and with the mindset, with the faith, That even if he had to kill his son, that God would raise him from the dead. Whew! That's some powerful faith. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so... Now, through all of this, we're talking about the resurrection. That all of this is a foreshadow of Christ coming to us, being offered up on the cross as a sacrifice for us. And, you know, we talked about it before, but when Isaac had to bind his son before he laid him on the wood for the altar, and how God was bound to the cross by three stakes and a lot of love. (laughs) But Jesus went and did all of this, became our sacrifice, died our death, paid the penalty that we could never pay, and then was buried, and then rose again. And this is all symbolic, all parallel of what God did in the life of Abraham. (laughs) 
He's the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. It's showing us how much God loves us, how much he cares for us, how much he's willing to sacrifice in order to get us back. If you'll stand with me, please. There's so many parallels of God calling Abraham to offer up his son and and actually even to get his son, Isaac. And Abraham is the start of the nation of Israel. When, When Abraham stepped away from his family, from his land, from everything that he knew, and to walk with God and to go wherever God was going to show him, which he didn't know, All of this he did by faith. And then one of the first things that God calls him to is he says, you're going to have a son. And then as that's fulfilled, then he says, okay, now give me your son, your only son, the one that you love. All in representation of Jesus coming to us. God demonstrating his love for us. I hope that out of these the series that you've come to the conclusion that God really, really loves us. And that he doesn't hold anything back. And that he will provide for us. And the awesome thing about God is up on that mountain where Jesus was crucified... And Abraham declared that the Lord will provide. He's not just providing salvation for us, but that means whatever we have need of, God will provide it for us if we will be a people who walk by faith, if we will trust God. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning, that you can trust God. He does know what He's doing. Life may not go all our way every moment, But in the long run, I'm telling you this, you can trust God. He will walk with you through it all because He already has through Jesus Christ. You can trust Him because He loves us. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the example that we have of Abraham and Isaac and the conception of them, but then His offering him up and the parallel of all of this to you and Jesus and how you gave us Jesus, your only son, the son whom you love. And you brought him, you gave him for us. And Father, I pray that you would uh, stir up within us a faith that says, God, I trust you because I've seen you work. I know that you've done it. You foreshadowed it with Abraham and Isaac. You've done it with yourself and Jesus. Father, may we walk away. May we come to the conclusion that you love us. And because you love us, we trust you. We will be determined to walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, go believing. Go walk in faith.